Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.22. Just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in, Seth. So I gave up on them. I gave up. I was like, ah, you lost to Indiana by one. You lost to Wisconsin by one. You're you're just never you're never gonna do it. And then three games later, all wins. They, Michigan basketball is firmly on the bubble, uh, not firmly in the tournament, <clears throat> but in the conversation. Now yeah, we still gotta 20. win one or two, I think. To well, more than that. <laughs> so we've punched in all the various scenarios to uh, Bart Torvik's uh, team cast. Mm. And so I've been working with various scenarios. Here's what a win at Illinois loss at Indiana, and then wins against Nebraska and Northwestern followed by a loss to Michigan state in the tournament, get Michigan. That's a last four buys situation. Yeah. And that's pretty good, right? It's like win one of the two road games for a quad one win, two wins in the NCAA t- in the Big Ten tourney tournament, the Big Ten tournament. <clears throat> and Torvik's algorithm still only has them at about two thirds to make the field. So don't count any chickens whatsoever. You know, really what you're looking at here is 0-2 to finish the season is pretty much out unless you win the uh, Big Ten tournament. 2-0 and is pretty secure yeah and then one and one it's you're (laughs) you're right on the cut line so that's a lot better than we were hoping for i don't know a month ago they go six and two in this month yeah it was i mean it was uh, the feeling of you know, they inbounded to, to Hunter dickinson and he's trying to control the ball and the seconds are taken down you're like oh we're screwed yeah, and now it's gone in, and now we're in overtime. But it's not a guarantee. It's not like you're there. But I think we've gone from being, oh, we're dead. We are absolutely dead. To okay, now they can do this. Yeah, Michigan is now uh, four and seven in games decided by. Well, let me we're, we're, let me change that. <laughs> they are now. <clears throat> Four and eight in games decided by five points or fewer, or that went to OT. Um, and it's still like, if I mean, they put themselves in a situation, but just personally, as sort of a person drawn to the E, or you, you look at the Virginia game, the North Carolina game, the Central game, the Iowa game in particular, and you're just like, Ugh. we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. Let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Home Share Lending, Ticket IQ, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, and we are recording this on SignalWire because Venue is currently without power. Thanks, DTE. (laughs) So... But they're in with a chance, thanks to a 79-87 to 87 win over Wisconsin in OT with the aforementioned Hunter Dickinson. Crazy buzzer beater after Wisconsin takes a lead, really thanks to a banked-in three. <laughs> oh, God. And, I was and, you so know, ready to die! I was like, oh, my God, we're doing it to us again. It's happening. It, it's, yes, that's I, <laughs> I, I, I swore at the television. I swore at all Wisconsin players present past and future and uh <laughs> it was just like this can't be happening again it does happen and michigan really wins this game because one the uh humiliating offensive rebounding performance from the previous wisconsin game did not recur and then they did a lot better inside the line so wisconsin goes 47 percent from two and pretty much all of that is connor Asijian. good god who, that guy <laughs> Which is like, I mean, they they put up a a vid, like a video of him, well, a picture of him at Chrysler in a Michigan jersey, and you're just like, ah, uh, he's All the number two hundred, 
number 226 <laughs> composite recruit and you're just kind of like man he'd yeah. be nice to have on the team yeah. <clears throat> i mean we got jet for that spot so well yeah but we're gonna have jet for that spot for one year right. i'm pretty sure cg is more of a four-year college player in any case he's really the only player on the roster to uh do anything inside the arc offensively and then Michigan has Buffkin go off, and Hunter Dickinson doesn't really get the shot volume you'd like him to have, but he's 8 of 11 from two, very efficient. Um, and then you have Doug McDaniel continuing his uh, incredible run of deep shooting. He's hits two of four threes and another couple of long twos. He gets a couple of buckets at the basket, but he also makes six of six at the line. He has no assists to two turnovers, but... He's coming off consecutive Ken Palm MVP performances against Michigan State and Rutgers. This isn't a Ken Palm MVP performance, but his Big Ten O rating is up to 105, which is not good, to be clear, but it is also not mind-bendingly horrendous, a major problem for the team and a reason that Michigan is not performing very well. I mean, I don't think you can say that he's really – turn the corner yet i think um uh, colin tj from twitter looked this up on torvik he has the worst uh shooting at the rim of anybody in college basketball oh his shot chart is ludicrous because every, well yeah he's yeah every, all of his two-point j's are like beautiful and then he gets to the rim and it's like 27 percent or something there it's it's uncanny except for you know what it is he's short and doesn't really have any finishing moves well, it's it's thirty five, so it's not twenty seven, but it's it's very bad. And so the one of the issues is that <clears throat> he's taking all these tough floaters and stuff, but he also just doesn't have that feel for when he can actually get to the bucket, which he did uh, do an excellent job of on one particular uh, bucket against um, Rutgers, where he turned down a screen and got to the basket with his quickness, and there was nobody there to deal with it. That's the kind of thing that you're going to need to see more of. He just needs to, like, he's never going to be good at finishing contested shots at his size, but there will be opportunities for him to get more uncontested shots with his quickness. In any case. I, I wish so Matt Dan- D was here for this because um, he's got a real, the as you mentioned, zero assists. And that's been a major problem in the offense, that they can't run all these sets that they want to run because, you know, Doug is your bottleneck, right? That's the guy that can't he's not going to see it or he just doesn't have the length to get um to get the ball there so well, yeah he's he a freshman point guard so yeah like that's there's a reason that freshman point guards usually don't start and when you see like five-star freshman point guards start the offenses that they're on even though they're kentucky <laughs> and unc are mysteriously not as good as they should be so that's right. that's what i think you know, 90% of this is because, you know, for the season, he's got an assist rate of 21, which isn't bad. And, you know, his turnover rates 17, which isn't great. Um, <clears throat> but it's also not terrible. So McDaniel really sort of seems to fit in that paradigm of a promising freshman point guard. Who's still a freshman, but he's got enough juice and he's been performing well lately. And you're, you're pretty hopeful that uh, down the stretch here, that might be a reason that Michigan can overperform their season uh, to date, which is kind of what it's going to have to take to to make the tournament. I mean, they're up to forty first in Ken Palm, which isn't <clears throat> doesn't sound great, but you know when they started this month, they were sixty seventh, so yeah. they've moved up twenty five spots. Um, <clears throat> you're seeing the emergence of Buffkin. Michigan's able to win a couple of games with Jet Howard not playing, and I know people are talking about, well, maybe there was a bit of a boost not to have Jet Howard because he's so bad defensively that you're able to do some things. And yes and no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they did hold Rutgers to not very many points, but also you're not really getting a whole lot out of the minutes that uh, Michigan is replacing there. I mean, because you're putting Joey Baker on the court, and Joey Baker's okay, but he's not um, a huge defensive upgrade right. on anybody. I mean, 
they've been playing Jace for him too. Like that's that's yeah. he's getting a lot of his minutes too. And yeah, so I mean, you got Terrence Williams coming off the bench using Will Cheddar. Uh, you know, they, it's they're the the options, and this is kind of going to get into like the meta conversation of like what are they doing with their lineups right now but when you have baker and his athleticism a bit you know his, his limitations out there that kind of limits the lineups that you can play and i think that's been part of their issue even though they've won these games you know it's rutgers it's wisconsin there's going to be more athletic teams that they're going to face and you're going to want jet for those yeah and i mean honestly at this point i'd be looking at playing jace more just because like he's not that much smaller than cheddar he's obviously a much quicker player and we don't really have much sample size for him but he's seven of 15 on threes yeah and all of these are wide open he's very limited offensively he has gavin groninger usage but if you get jet howard back how much usage do you really need to get from guy number five i don't think you need to get any so you're just looking at who's the best defender and who's the best guy when it's time to take an open three Mm. and i think joey baker is obviously the best guy to take an open three amongst the options (laughs) but uh, i mean at this point terrence williams and cheddar really aren't bringing a whole lot to the table so i mean i don't rebounding i that's there's the huge difference between the two of them and the huge difference when williams was out for the Wisconsin game, and then was when he was in for the Wisconsin game, and when Cheddar was in for the Wisconsin game, like oh my God, suddenly Wisconsin got some offensive rebounds, and you know the world yeah. exploded. <laughs> yeah, I mean to me the lineups are are have been pretty strange because you get Terrace Reed comes in and has been you know, emerging as as a player down low, really kind of gives you something. He's uh, his offensive rebound rates up to 13, which is pretty incredible. And he had, I guess, a bit of a rough go in this one. 17 minutes, gets a couple of buckets, one of three from the line, a couple offensive rebounds, but four turnovers is is kind of an issue. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but part of that is the fact that they had a Terrace Reed, Hunter Dickinson, Terrence Williams, Jace Howard, and then Doug McDaniel uh, <laughs> lineup. And it's like, who's... <laughs> What is your spacing there? Yeah, because it's one it's one thing to put Terrace Reed out there in place of Terrence Williams, who's currently shooting twenty six percent from three on the season. But having both of them out there, it's just like, well, who do you even need to check on the perimeter at this point? So, <clears throat> just yeah, I mean, it does feel like this this team is about one player short of being a pretty good team, and by that I mean top twenty in Ken Palm. But they just get very little balanced production out of the four spot. Because it's either Reed, who's all defense at this point, or Terrence Williams, who's also all defense, all all, all rebounding. Oh <clears throat> uh, yeah, all, and then yeah. Or, and or you get Baker, who's all offense, and then Cheddar, who's not really either of the above. So you don't really have a two-way player at a pretty important spot. But they do manage to pull it out against Wisconsin, despite uh, Stephen Crowell going two of three from three with a crotched-in one. <laughs> And then uh, Klesmit banking in the three at the end. So, you know, they fight him to a draw from behind the line. That's fine. They get to the line a lot more. <clears throat> they probably should have got to the line a couple more times. But Hunter Dickinson uh, gets fouled by Wall. The ball goes out of bounds. And they're looking at it on the review, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> because they're going to ignore the foul that caused Dickinson to fumble it out of bounds. Right. And they're, they're gonna not allowed to, to review Wisconsin. that, but we can, <clears throat> we can review the. Fortunately, like, you know, one of their guys flew in and came off his fingertip, and that was enough. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, if you're going to go review a play, I think it's all of it's got to be reviewable because obviously. Dickinson isn't going to fumble that ball out of bounds unless Wall, Wall grabs his arm. Yeah. And to have a slightly unjust result, because Michigan should have been the line, turn into a very unjust result is just, I mean, you can't have replay that gets things more wrong than they were before. Right? That's uh, yeah, they were, it was so kind of close. defeats yeah. the whole purpose. Uh, yeah, um, we'll get into that in the hockey segment too. But the, um, I mean, how does, why, why do they love Wall so much, man? He he gets away with so much. 
Like, anytime well, someone breathes on him, it's a foul. Anytime, like, he's committing a foul, it's just ignored. And then when he does, like, commit a foul that you have to call, it's, like, where he steps under Terrace Reed and Reed falls down and hits his shoulder. And, like, you know, then Wisconsin fans are yelling that Reed doesn't have to shoot his free throws. I'm like, dude, he's just, that was a dirty foul. Like, when you step under a guy when he's coming in, that is a dirty foul. Yeah, and, like, yeah, Terrace Reed didn't have to shoot his free throws. Maybe you shouldn't Brad Davison it. Right. And then someone else will. I mean, that's that's all on you guys. I mean, we did see the two big lineup for chunks of this game. Not very much of it. It's still that's still just what I want to see. I want to mm-hmm. see Reed Dickinson, Buffkin, Jet, and Doug McDaniel, and then get some spot minutes for the other guys. But I mean, they must have just liked the defensive matchup for Williams. And to be fair to Williams, he gets a lot of Tyler Wall in this game, and Wall goes three and nine from two without. Yeah really many good looks at all. So <clears throat> Wall's not had a good look either one of these games. Like, well, no, but that's kind of the first one too. That's kind of his MO. Like I remember I went over their personnel for the first preview and I'm like, this is unusual. Their highest usage player has an O rating under 90. Yeah. That's bad. So it's, you know, beating up on Tyler Wall defensively is not much of an accomplishment, but for all the issues Michigan's had this year, they should be grateful that they're forcing anyone into jumpers. And you saw a lot of that curl action that was getting them open looks at the bucket just didn't happen. So that, that's an adjustment that happened from game one to game two. Yeah. I mean, they turned in into those pull-up jumpers, you know, from mid-range that, uh, you know, Seijin was making all over the place. Right. But like, that's, so, what, that's what they had. Yeah. <clears throat> so they, they had a ton of mid-range stuff and, to their credit, they hit some of it, but it wasn't uh, exactly the layup fest that we saw from from the opener. Right, very frustrating. Well, I mean, any other takes away from you know? I guess we're covering both Wisconsin games at the same time here because they're just you know two sides of the same game. But it was uh, I don't know. I, I, I to go to overtime with with Wisconsin at Chrysler is it's. If that happened in the middle of the season and not like in the end, when it's just like get past this game and get to you know and get one of these road ones, is that a little alarming to you? What is what alarming? That you know we're an athletic matchup with Wisconsin. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is at this point. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, usually you do this, but let's take a break and talk about the Rutgers game. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people 
people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9 and 458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. has gotten its power back as we are recording the podcast so they will be open on monday and dte willing going forward <laughs> i'm sorry i just had no power for like five days i'm not really happy <laughs> it's just not not something i'm happy about did you see the dte a... on the zambonis like because I'm well, I, I, so I'm I, I if I was in the student section still, whenever they're like, "Oh, it's a Michigan power play sponsored, powered by DT," I would shout, "At least they're powering something." This this weekend, their power play was powered by DT because because they're not powering my house for five days. Have you seen Michigan's power play recently? Uh, you know, Friday night aside, they've been very DTE lately. Anyway, go to venue, eat some food, have some drinks. Forget about the fact that your home is cold and devoid of energy. <laughs> the previous game, Michigan played Michigan 58, Rutgers 45 at the former Rack, which is now a corporate sponsorship. That's almost acceptable, but until they pay me, I'm not saying the name. Do you notice they started losing there since they got the corporate sponsorship? Now there's not the uh, rack. Like Nebraska uh, won a game there. Nebraska true. won a game at the rack because it's not the rack. And dear readers, I must confess that I did not watch this game live because I had no power and two children. <laughs> that is not a good combination when it comes to observing basketball games. So I, I watched it the day after at the Ann Arbor District Library. There's a shout out, Rich. Um <clears throat> And so it's always very strange watching a game for the first time after you know the outcome. And my takes are probably altered by this. So like going back on Twitter, everyone was very, very upset when Michigan started out like one of 12 from the floor. Mm -hmm. And I'm like only mildly irritated by this because I'm like, (laughs) oh, well, it gets better. And yeah, it get I, I would have liked that. I would have liked somebody like pop in and be like, hey, you're actually watching this game at the library tomorrow and Michigan wins this thing because that was really annoying. And like that was that's been part of the whole like, why are we playing Cheddar thing? Because he starts in this game <laughs> and 
they're just getting defensively manhandled by you know everyone who gets he gets put on. Yeah, and it does seem unwise to have him out there, and I'm very impatient. Like, when can we get the next guy out there? But Jet doesn't play in this game, so your options are pretty limited. Right. And Terrace Reed only gets 13 minutes. Uh, no fouls in those 13 minutes. There's always the possibility that Terrace Reed getting limited minutes is because he's picked up four fouls in four minutes. Mm-hmm. Not the case in this one. And <clears throat> I guess you have to say that it didn't really hurt Michigan because Rutgers puts up 45 points in a whole dang basketball game. Uh, but that is in part because they go 5 of 16 from the free throw line. Yeah. And so Michigan ends up winning this game by 13, but they were up four or five with 10 minutes to go. And they easily could have been the other way around where Michigan was down four or five. Yeah. And four of those free throws are, are, um, Clifford Amorui. And, uh, you know, he's not a great free throw shooter. And then he's still 63%. So like, Okay. Like Six, we're talking about a 62% guy in Omaruyi, so it's not. Terrace Reed's a you know. 62% guy. Like, that's the, that guy. <laughs> like, if, if Terrace Reed goes 0 for 4, you're not going to be uh, like, oh, man, Terrace we lost Reed that is, game because Terrace Reed cannot hit a free throw. Terrace Reed is currently sitting shooting 37%, okay. and he's 45% in Big Ten play. I'm, so, I'm a Michigan fan. I only consider stats after February started to be legitimate. I see. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, we talked about McDaniel in the previous segment. Here he actually hits more than half of his twos. He hits three out of four attempts. Three of seven from the line. That's kind of a downer. Two assists, one turnover, and then the big number is five steals. Mm -hmm. So Michigan puts up 11 steals in this game, which is a high for their season. Uh, Buffkin turns in another couple, and Baker, surprisingly, gets two. And so you pretty consistently in this game have – no chance of Rutgers getting anywhere near the basket and being forced into just a series of mid-range jumpers that, I mean, Geo Baker's no longer around. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the strange things is if you go in and you look at the Torvik box score, which will give you rim stuff, mm-hmm. Rutgers gets the rim twice as many times as Michigan does, but they're 9 of 22 once there. And Omaru used 5 of 9 at the rim, which isn't great, but that's the only person who did acceptably. And then Mulcahy's one of five. Spencer's one of three. And the rest of the team is two of five. So, I, I mean, my perception of this game was that Rutgers was not able to get to the basket. But I guess maybe it might be more correct to say that they were able to get to the basket, but only in heavily contested situations. So Mulcahy isn't beating anyone to the corner and getting to the rim. If he's going up, he's going up through somebody. And you can see that in, in their numbers. Well, Michigan's strategy is they end up having to switch guys a whole bunch, especially once they actually got Reed out there. Um, but even when Cheddar was in there, that's the same plan. They meant to contest it at the rim. Like, okay, he's going to get around guys. And the way you have to play him is, you know, you want him to, to turn the corner because you got to run him off the three line and then get him to shoot a two because that's the way to beat Rutgers is their long twos are terrible. Like, that is... I, there is no team I've ever seen that's been so bad at long twos and takes so many of them, even though Geo Baker's not even there. Because um, Cam Spencer, their point guard, he's the same way. And Andre Hyatt, I think, is um, sub-30% from two like this year. So, like, the whole plan is just keep them away from the rim. And if they get to the rim, then they're tank- taking contested shots. And that's kind of what it was. They get there and you know then you got Hunter Dickinson trailing you and sticking his big arm out and that was kind of the the plan I think from the beginning was if they want to do that just make sure that there's a sea of arms by the time they try it yeah so Omaru gets three dunks in this game but outside of that Rutgers shoots about 33 percent at the rim Mm -hmm. and Rutgers is 12th in the league and making close twos but they're still 60 percent so Michigan was able to stay in front and and really heavily because they didn't really feel like they were missing bunnies that they should make. Yeah, you know it felt like that every time they were going up, it was through a sea of arms, and so that's a quality outcome for Michigan. <clears throat> it was Omari is a um, I mean he's a dunker and he's also an offensive rebounder, and I thought that was if there was anything that they focused on more. You know, I think for most of the game, Michigan was actually leading in rebounds. I think they actually ended the game. Yeah, nine to six. Um, nine to six 
in uh, in offensive rebounding. So, you know, they kept Rutgers off the boards. They kept him the 17% uh, in offensive rebounding, which, you know, Omari, he's very tough to do that with. And I think part of the – it went with that strategy too is that if they you you have Mulcahy coming in and shooting under the basket um, – that's more likely going to one of your bigs than if, you know, they have over you backing someone down or if, you know, they pulled your big out of the uh, out of there. And I think as long as Michigan can keep their rim protectors inside and you know, we're also talking about Dickinson in this game, but Reed obviously needs to be part of that conversation more. Um, that seems to be their best defensive strategy because the outside guys can be pests, especially Doug. Yep. So Michigan now finds itself. 11 and 7 in the Big Ten tied for second somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Big Ten! (laughs) Staring down Illinois. Illinois uh, just managed to lose to Ohio State. Uh, They have a couple of recent home wins over Minnesota and Northwestern. Uh, They lost to Penn State and Indiana before that, so they're kind of in very middling form. Uh, Shannon's their best player, and then the the, uh, Baylor transfer, Matt Mayer, is also up there. But one, they're long. Their their center though is big boy Dane Danger. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> Dian- that can't be how you pronounce. it. I don't know. Danger. I I, yeah, I I watched one Illinois game this year, and it was so long ago. I don't even remember who they played. North Carolina. Well, that's who it was. He's very much your below the rim wide body type that historically Hunter Dickinson has not had a ton of trouble with. But those doubles that they're able to bring will be fairly intimidating doubles because the guys coming are going to be 6'9", 6'10", and then Terrence Shannon, who's 6'2", with ups. They've got got quite a bit of, of length to contest Michigan with. But they're kind of – they've been pretty bleh for the last, uh, I don't know, month of the season. And that's an opportunity for Michigan uh, to get a quad one win, which is – It'll be huge for their chances of sneaking into this tournament. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about a pretty frustrating hockey weekend. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up, and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. 
This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself use them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Charles Matthews again and everybody's really mad and then they bank in at three and it's like what the god we got <laughs> death give me your hottest take if there are more than one sorry let me start that one again if there's more than one stoppage to fix the ice you lose a home game next year mm. okay because I mean, it was an outdoor game so is that like a I don't care. Help? If you want to do the outdoor care. game, that's the home team's decision. They have to take that into account. Like, if you do an outdoor game against someone you're not going to play twice or you're not going to play again next year, fine. You can get away with that, right? But if you want to do an outdoor game in February in the middle of Ohio where, you know, your 50-degree days are like 50-50 chance here, then you're taking the responsibility, man. And, like, you know, one ice problem – Fine. I we could do one ice problem. But when they're pulling, you know, sizable chunks of ice out of the out of there twice and like we have to like play I I don't even know if uh Hughes was injured the second game or if they were just like there's no way we're putting this guy out on the, that ice cuz that would kill our season. It was it, it was ridiculous. You can't, it was not a real hockey game. Seth, I like that you're putting more pressure on the Zamboni driver. Like that, we don't get, we don't put enough pressure on that drunk guy. I'm assuming everyone is drunk. You, you, you know, I mean, the fact that he even drives a straight line is to me miraculous. But now you want him to make sure that ice is perfect. I, I agree. With you. Put it on him. I gotta walk by the Zamboni drivers at Yost like every every game, Randy. You cannot, you cannot get me in trouble with those people. <laughs> okay, so maybe they have guys- they have big. Big machines they could run me over with. <laughs> Maybe they're drinking Coors Cutter. Okay, fine. There you okay, go. Okay, fine. Randy, give me your hottest take. Hunter Dickinson's shot was a bigger slap in the face than what Jawan Howard did to Wisconsin coaches last year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so does that mean the announcers that... are going to be talking about it in two years? Like, hey, do yeah, you think yeah. that hit was because Hunter Dickinson hit that shot on them? Yeah, that was that's payback. From the way that was handled, I that shot that shot was insane, insane shot from the catch to the turnaround to the shot. It's, you know, this is I have to say this is why Hunter Dickinson came back. He's kind of had a bit of a lackluster year, and the team has not performed that well. Although there have been moments where he's carried the team and done a great job, 
that to me in that one shot in that one moment you're like this is why you came back and he gets to like stare at him, do his best damian lillard and just look through every stare through the souls of everybody there like he's mad at our own crowd you know what i mean i just loved it all of that is like truly the reason you come back here and maybe you just show that shot on a loop and see if he'll come back next year yeah i mean it is it's a moment that means something in college that doesn't mean in the NBA because that's like a February NBA game. It's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, nice. this is like has import because you're like, oh, we got to make the term. We got to do something. Uh, can I say this, something though, too, good. Jay? Jay and I were talking about it. Jay watches a ton of NBA with his son, and I've been watching a little bit of it. You look at like Brooke Lopez's game in the NBA. He's big and can defend, but he's slow and he can hit a three. I'm just saying, like, if you're Hunter Dickinson, look at Brooke Lopez and say, I can be that guy in the NBA. Not saying I want him to leave next year, but I do think there is watching more NBA, and Jay and I discussed it at length. I do think there's a spot for Hunter Dickinson in this NBA. Okay. All right, here's mine. Greg Gard should have given Juwan Howard his slap back after this game. (laughs) (laughs) This is how rivalries die. Like, Avs, Red Wings, that's not a thing anymore. Continued meaningless violence. I don't want anyone to be hurt. I just want some kerfuffling. And, like, you want. You want like a miss, like a I'm not gonna shake your hand, like the old ha- right, my hand yeah. is extended, and then guard slips it through what yeah. little hair he has left on his head. I mean, just, guard, yeah, guard's got a long way to go to get up there. That's like little Mac trying to get to bald bull, you know, he'd have to like power I mean, up, you know, there's gotta be something. You can't just have a normal basketball game anymore. I thought there was a lot of animosity between the teams during this game. I mean, there was a lot of, like, I don't know. It was ratcheted up. Obviously, the Michigan State game, it, it gets ratcheted up in there, and the defense is a lot better. I just thought there was, there was a lot of animus between the two teams throughout this game. Well, yeah. I mean, Hunter Dickinson is just like, these guys are trash. Trash. Garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Like, All right. That's that's what I want. Yeah. I want more, more like wrestling accoutrement. Yes, yes. I mean, as Without, long as no one gets hit. Yeah, no, right, as yeah. As no as long, I mean, or if like they get hit, but it's sort of funny. Great <laughs> <laughs> like guard <laughs> landing hands on Juwan Howard is funny. There's no danger there. a hard time for people, like, because I call it a slap we wish. <sighs> And it's like, Greg that, Gard, that's what that Greg is. Gard, like, like I've seen a man hit a man before. That was not a hit. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Brian. CPA <laughs> taking on an NBA player. It's not, that's fine. Yeah, Greg Greg Gard reaching up and punching Jawan Howard in the small of the back is hilarious. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, there was a kid who did that to me in middle school. Tommy Kanaya. What an asshole. Where is he now, Tommy? Where are you where, now, Tommy where's your, Kanaya? Where, where's your Tommy Kanaya now, Greg Gard? Do you have a popular website? <laughs> Please don't tell me if you do, because that'll be does. sad. I bet he does, Kanaya. Um, no, that, it's it's crazy that we still have that. There's still a conversation that this. If you can win, with, if you can beat Illinois, which Illinois lost again, if you can beat Illinois, you're not going to beat Indiana, but you can beat Illinois and win one game in the Big Ten tournament. I think you're going to the tournament. It's crazy. Uh, I think that's probably Dayton at that point. Yeah. Oh, you like a play in? Yeah. I'll I'll take it. I mean, I'll take yes, it too. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Right. We'll take it. <clears throat> If you can't get enough Sklar's, hit up their podcast view from the cheap seats and their show on USE Fight Pass called The Nosebleeds. They're also touring, so if they're coming to your town, it's a great show. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. All right, so Michigan gets two points out of six against Notre Dame. Uh, For pairwise purposes, they got a tie uh, on Friday, and then they got 33% of a win on Saturday. Um I love the and really just, after one after a Big Ten games like with shootouts yeah. and everything like that. Like, okay, it's a thirty-three percent win. It's a yeah. But I mean, the story of the weekend to me was just Bischel, the uh, the Notre Dame goaltender, just stole it. Mm-hmm. Just stole the whole weekend because Michigan has about six Grade A chances in overtime on Friday, and then after. Notre Dame goes up one nothing in the third period of the Saturday game. Michigan just pours it on. Mm. And I have absolutely no idea 
how Michigan did not score in the last 10 minutes of that game. Shots for that period were 27 to six. And it just felt like a 10 minute power play. And there were probably four or five goals that Bischel just stoned. And then there are a bunch of shots from the point where he sticks out his, his leg and gets a toe on it. And it's just like, Oh man, if that was a little elevated, if that was a little further outside that goes in the net. And then in the Friday game, Notre Dame's first two goals are just flinging the puck somewhere and hoping something happens on the power play. The, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The first one is a, a shot from the point that I think hits two people before mm-hmm. it goes in. And then the second goal that Portillo gives up is just like one of those pucks that starts on the ice and then gets knocked around and flutters over someone's shoulders. Nothing really you can do about any of those. And it was really frustrating because it felt like after that first period, Michigan had two beautiful goals mm-hmm. of skill and daring do and merit and skill against <laughs> Notre Dame. Gosh. <laughs> and uh, and and Notre Dame had just like farted the puck into the net a couple of times. Oh, um, Are you and... starting to hate Notre Dame now? Are you ready to hate Jeff Jackson uh, hockey? Because <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not really a big fan of Jeff Jackson hockey. I never never have been. But it's not like I have some sort of visceral dislike for. I mean, they just play defensive hockey. They're not. It's never really bothered me, except in so far as that the games usually aren't very good to watch. But. What are you going to do? I mean, when's the last time we had a season <laughs> sweep against them? 96? Or or like a, a serious sweep against them? Like, it's, it's every a single year, it sweep? seems like they come into Yost no, and they beat not. us. That's, I mean, they've been a good program. In any case, Fine. so <laughs> yeah. the other thing that's kind of a major theme through this series and this season is just Michigan taking majors and the other team not getting... Well, I mean, they did take a major on Saturday, but they should have had another one. And yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to me because you have Frank Nazar get his head stapled into the boards on a play that has already seen Michigan players get knocked out for extended periods of time twice this year. And that's two minutes. And the contact from the player was not directly to the head of the opponent, but the effect of the play was extremely dangerous. And that's fine. That's just two. And then. Adam Fantilli gets booted for a hit that I have to admit, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, okay, he's gone, given mm-hmm. the way that college hockey is currently officiated. Those things need to be reversed. Because what Fantilli did was get his elbow up, hit a guy who's got the same momentum of him as him. There's really no way that that's going to be a devastating injury. What happened to Frank Nazar absolutely could have been. And so it just kind of goes to show that this whole like player safety thing is not really something that is being taken seriously. Cause if player safety was being taken seriously, that Nazar hit would be five in a game all day, every day. And that's how they do um, it in the NHL. <clears throat> so all they would have had to do is copy what the NHL has been doing since they came out of the lockout in 2006. Cause that's how long the NHL has been calling boarding with a, you know, when you're that exact distance from the boards, they will call that a five-minute major, and they will kick you out, and there's a fine obsessed to it, too. And then, you know, Brendan Shanahan used to go on and explain it on the videos, right? And, like, I I would watch those videos, and they were interesting to me because part of what he talked about was, look, I know it's just a check, and I and anywhere else it looks just like a check. But this is the kind of play that we need to take out of hockey because this is exactly how people get hurt. And that's what happens when the people who have played hockey and know hockey – are the ones making the rules as opposed to somebody just they they legislated head hits because they wanted the press release to say that they legislated head hits and that's all they I mean, got. Yeah, that's it. It's just like it's more about avoiding bad press than actually protecting the players, and it's stupid. But it's the way it it's always been in college hockey is stupid. So how come Michigan um, hasn't adjusted <clears throat> yet? That is that an well, issue? Because like. I mean, part of it is that, yeah, Fantilli gets his elbow up there and he's been flying around the ice the whole period mm-hmm. and he was jawing people and he's been hitting people and he's clearly like the curly haired referee, like had some something to say to him when he went to the box for the first time and he's got to be able to dial it down, right? Like, cause he got ejected from that Michigan state game for throwing a, a punch, which, you know, was a legitimate attempt to throw a punch. So he's just, you know. I think from a perspective of an NHL team, you'd much rather see that than a guy who you have to poke with a stick. 
mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah Todd isn't exactly ripping up the NBA, but like for Michigan's purposes, yeah, he's got to dial it back. Otherwise he's hurting the team. Cause what are the chances Notre Dame gets through that third period without giving up a goal? If in addition to everything else that's going on, Adam Fantilli's on the ice. Yeah. Pretty low. So, <clears throat> I mean, he's just got to be on the ice and Michigan got Luke Hughes back for the Saturday game, but they meet, they did, got one period of Fantilli, and then Fantilli's off the ice. So you really haven't had extended stretches over the past month with both of Michigan's best players available, and partially that's injury, and then partially it's just Fantilli need, needs to like get it get it in check. Yeah, he thinks um, he's Gordy Howe, and that era of hockey just, is way over. Well, I mean, I I don't know, like the kind of stuff that. The kind of stuff that escalates is stuff where it's just like, you are not protecting us. Mm-hmm. You are watching these hits and you are not protecting us. Like Michigan had to ask for a review on the cross check directly to Eric Cicilline's head. Yeah. And they put it up on the boards and I'm watching Dorado and he's pointing at the boards and like, you really need me to ask you to review this. And he of course does. And of course it's a five minute major, but just the disparity there between everything that, gets called on Michigan and all the stuff that gets, and I was really frustrated at the Notre Dame goal. Cause you get another one of these interference penalties right on the blue line where the guy's just trying to hold the line. Mm-hmm. Oh, and God. yeah, to this is like the third one of those that Michigan has gotten called on. And I've maybe seen three of those in 20 years because officials are aware that you're trying to hold the line and all the other stuff that could be interference that doesn't get called as interference. Every time a player dumps in a puck, the defenseman will move to get in the way of the player chasing the puck. That is interference. Yes. They called the, listen, they, they refuse to call that, but now we're calling the blue line stay on side interference. I mean, you gotta be kidding yeah. me. That, I, that, that play has only been legislated one time, and it was when like the NHL decided all of a sudden that they've got to get rid of like the you know dump and chase kind of style of hockey, and they called it for like one month at the beginning of the season. I don't remember what season it was. I think it was right after the like, 09 or something like that, and they started calling it, and like suddenly just bloomed penalties, and every single game was a penalty fest because they couldn't get the players to stop doing it. It's it just it, it makes no sense. Every you've been playing hockey since Bantam knowing that you have to stop the guy from getting into the zone. It's just, it's, it's I mean, muscle I, memory by this point. I, I just generally think that you shouldn't be able to commit an interference penalty as a player trying to score a goal. Yeah. Like, I think offensive zone interference should be legal. Yeah. But that's probably never going to happen. So you get, I mean, in any case, you know, Michigan had a bit of a disappointing uh, finish to the regular season. Got in a lot of OT games, didn't win the extra points, but because Minnesota swept Ohio State, Michigan is second place in the league. Uh, because college hockey is hard and a lot of teams lose this these last couple of weekends, haven't really cost them very much in the pairwise. They're still fourth, so they've dropped one spot. But BU has had a pretty uh, rough close to the season as well, so they drop down to sixth. Denver actually pops up to third, and. Uh, Notre Dame is currently probably the last team in the tournament. They're at 14. Michigan State has probably played themselves out there at 19. Penn State, 8. Ohio State, 9. And Minnesota's the first overall seed. So regular season is over. Michigan gets a home best 2 out of 3 against Wisconsin. And then they will get the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan State series at Yost. Uh, And then they will play either at Minnesota or at Yost in the Big Ten final. Um, so just four games left. You know, if there's best two out of three series in the semi and final, there's kind of more room to move up and down. But for Michigan, you need to beat Wisconsin in the first weekend, and then you need to do better than St. Cloud, Boston, and maybe Harvard to claim that last one seat, which really isn't that important because they're not going to get to number one overall. And if they do fall, they're not going to fall to a three seed and wherever 
doesn't because and and then the, the regional they're going to is in Allentown, Pennsylvania, right. Right. for the what, millionth and, consecutive year. Right, and they're going. What, to what, who is it, who in Allentown, Pennsylvania is like? Whoa, we need to do this. Oh, this is a we need to get thing for them now. Like Allentown, we need to like, get five out. people. <laughs> They wanted something, right? And they're like, okay, what's the cost of bid on the an, an NBA game? Eh, you're not going to get a player. Okay, what about an NCAA tournament game? Eh, we're not going to get that. I know. Hockey. Let's get in the hockey. Cost them five bucks, and they, you know, throw in a whole bunch of bids, and there they are. They have a bid in Allentown every single year, and it's like a thing in Allentown. It's like on the schedule beginning of the season that we've got, like, you know, the NCAA playoffs are coming to Allentown. Yeah, I don't know. It's very... Stupid and I hate it. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, and talk about something else. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from Emgo Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com. That's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E lending.com slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me. Kind of an annual tradition. Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue! Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the Big House. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. into spring practice and it's probably the least interesting spring practice of our lives because there's more than punting so no it's not there's true. well okay 
No, no, I don't. I don't mean like in terms of like the actual spring game type type event. When I'm talking about just in terms of like chatter, like uh-huh. who's going to do this, who's going to do what, because literally everything on the team is pretty much already decided. Yeah, they have to figure out who's going to win the OL jobs because they have yes. more guys than they thought they would get. They have six starters right returning on the OL, so there's going to be some hashing out to be done there. But tight end is pretty much set. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver is pretty much set. Mm-hmm. Running back, extremely set. Yeah, quarterback is out during spring, though, so we get to see, like, you know, we're going to get uh, to see yeah. the guys after Edwards. That's part of the thing. But, but yeah. quarterback, very set. Defensive line, uh, you, you want to. I don't think Josiah Stewart's on campus, right? Is he doing spring practice or not? I haven't seen. No, I haven't seen anything on him yet. I think that he's. So yeah. if Stewart's around, then you're like, all right, let's check out Stewart. But Stewart's not around. So you have a presumptive starter. You don't get any information in. You pretty much know what the defensive tackles are going to be. Pretty much know what the strong side end is going to be. Linebacker, eh, pretty much set. Get maybe you get Hill Green back. You talk about Hill Green, and then some Ernest Hausman chatter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, safety, pretty much set. Cornerback, pretty much set at one spot. And then yeah. the one piece of information that we have gleaned so far in practice. Is that six foot four Amorian Walker, who is a beam pole, who was playing wide receiver last year, has moved to quarter. And after two practices, Jim Harbaugh's like, Yeah, he's the starter so far. Yeah. The other news that we have is that <laughs> there is a hand timed three cone drill from Amorian Walker that would set an NFL combine record, which I give five fakes out of, of five, but it doesn't, that, that information is so outlandish that you can dial it back quite a long way and be like the six four guys got a good three cone time, and he's fast as heck. Let's see where this goes. Where is he going to be on Bruce Feldman's freaks list this year? I guarantee you, over under on it. Over under fifth. Under under under. Okay. Yeah. I just he's he's gonna have he's probably gonna I'm gonna say he's nineteenth. Okay. But there's gonna be four Michigan players on it. Donovan Edwards. Kenneth Grant will make it again. Uh-huh. William Morian Walker. And then uh Junior Colson. Uh, not Junior Colson. Will Johnson. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pretty that's a that's an easy one. Yeah. That's a slam dunk. There's always Slam-ity there's always dandy. a weird one. There'll be like RJ Moten who can like, you know, do triple backflips while removing his head. <laughs> right, maybe. But in any case, kind of the one big outstanding question on the team was what are we going to do at the other corner spot? We're like, oh, we got to get a transfer. Didn't get a transfer. Oh, we got to get a transfer. Didn't get a transfer. And now like, it's like, all right, Maureen Walker. It's going to be it. And there's always two ways to look at this. One is, this is very good news because the Maureen Walker is that good. He's that dude. It's going to be like that. <laughs> the other way is we keep invoking poor damn Johnny Sears on our but he's like the legendary example of a guy who'd been on the roster for a while, mm-hmm. was definitely going to start the next year, had re- no uh, not a lot of positives, not a lot of playing time. The playing time he did have against Ball State uh-huh. was uh, abominable, and the whole off season is like the Johnny Johnny Sears like talk up fest, right? And then he fell flat, transferred to Eastern was not very good at Eastern. That's how big of a miss that was. So how do you differentiate these two types of hype? One, is there any reasonable alternative? Mm, I mean, that one is, that one is point. That, that one is not a good point for Michigan. No, I mean, Jaden McBurrows might be one. Uh, uh, is he, is he fully healthy? Like, I don't know. I don't know if they, they like Sam Webb keeps on intimating whenever we ask him on, on on air that like, oh, you know, if they trusted him, they could do it. Like, oh, he takes he really steps up. Like, I I feel like he's kind of one of those guys coming from behind because he missed so much time with his injury. So, right. Um, the other thing yeah. is is like, do we have evidence opposing this take? Which we did with Johnny Sears. We do not have with Amorian Walker. So that's that's good. And how long has he been around? Is it reasonable for Johnny Sears to be a decent cornerback when Michigan decided that they were going to put um, Graham, the linebacker, Chris Graham, on... Chris, Graham. Chris Graham, Chris, not Chris Brandon Graham, 
Yeah, Chris Graham, the linebacker on uh, Anthony Gonzalez, a future first-round wide receiver. Yeah. They decided to do that, so that says really bad things about Johnny Sears. That sort of evidence we don't have with Maureen Walker, who was a true freshman last year, could not have been expected to contribute. And Michigan did not need him to contribute in a very good cornerback situation. So he has a mostly clean slate. He has uh, a lot of athletic hype that preceded his position switch. People were talking about him as an athletic freak last year when he was a wide receiver. That's a good point. So I, I feel that this is like a B, maybe a B plus situation in terms of like, can we believe this hype? The immediacy of it is also good. Like they don't have to start talking about Maureen Walker like this until fall. Right. Right. Like right. it could have been like a once, battle and then a Maureen Walker's coming out. If they're, if they're trying right. to make it plausible, they probably would have waited a few weeks. Right. So like it, this, like, the overall vibe of this spring practice hot take mm-hmm. from Jim Harbaugh is actually pretty good. Like I feel fairly decent about that. And then everything else that has been said in spring is either meaningless because it's about like, oh yeah, yeah, Donovan Edwards is pretty good at football. Great, mm-hmm. thank you. Good job. <laughs> Enjoy that answer. Um, or you just don't have enough information. Like we don't know what Ladarius Henderson is gonna gonna do at Michigan, right? We yeah, have a pretty I mean, good idea. Starting to get that chatter already that we got last year on Olu, where like you know Zinter goes or Keegan talks, and they're like, "Oh, what do you think of the new guys?" And they're like, "Nugent is the man. I love that dude. He's my best. He's like I love." And like he's coming in injured too, so like they have to. Um, he's rehabbing, so I don't even think we're gonna get to see much of him this spring. But the fact that the OL is already talking him up and like you know they. They sometimes the players sometimes have an idea of who's who's good, um, and then going back to Walker, one of the things that I remember from last year is like they kept on talking about Sainer still during spring, and I'm like, okay, all right, you just moved the guy last week. How good can he possibly be? Pretty pretty good. Like Sainer still was awesome last year, and he's, um, you know, I put him in the top yeah. five players in Michigan has coming back this season. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> Really? Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Well, I mean, go go count the stars, man. Like he's he graded out very well in my charting list. I mean, very right, Will well. Johnson. Yeah. Blake Corum. Blake Donovan Corum. Edwards. JJ uh-huh. McCarthy. Zach Zinter. That's five. Okay. All right. He's he's up there in the in the Zinter era. Like as far okay. as the, the grading that I've done and like you know i zinter still makes some mistakes in pass pro <clears throat> and samer still makes a lot fewer mistakes than got any defensive back i can remember right now uh i mean have you seen anything else coming out of spring practice that's worth noting at this point not, not really there's oh um yeah braden mcgregor chatter again but i think we're on our fourth off season with some braden mcgregor chatter at the beginning of it so <laughs> Like it's it's very clear that the weak side end spot the is the bad kind of hype at this point because yeah. you've got a, anybody who's coming through who's not Derek Moore gonna be kind of a tough sell from a like do I believe this hype perspective except for Jonah um, Stewart yeah well yeah but Stewart's a different yeah ball of wax too yeah all right guys thanks for listening yeah. For listening to the MGO podcast, I'm Seth Fisher along with Brian Cook, and it looks like it's over. Oh my god, Hunter Dickinson, it's not over! Yeah.